This is your last chance to enter the Ohio Lottery's Fun Turns 50 promotion. Score $3,500 in two tickets to the epic party at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where you could win part of another $400,000 in cash prizes. Enter the new 50th anniversary scratch-off or $50 worth of eligible non-winning $5 or $10 scratch-offs and my lotto rewards through the Ohio Lottery app. Hurry up. The last entry deadline is May 13th. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. What's up, guys? It's Jordan Rowling, host and producer of Billboard News. And Gary Trust, Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And you're listening to This Week in Billboard News. Let's dive on in. It feels like you. To kick off, we have to talk about Selena Gomez's Rare. Billboard's senior director of music, Jason Lipschutz, actually caught up with the singer about her new album, and she was super open and honest about life in general and creating the music. First off, she told Jason the reactions she's gotten to the project have been exactly what she wanted. I wanted um, a record that made people feel something, and whether that was uh, a hard relationship to get through or gaining your confidence back or being okay with just, you know, having fun. So there's there's different layers to it, and I'm so grateful that, you know, it, it ended up becoming what it is now after four and a half years. Gary, do you have a favorite track off the album? I do. I Obviously, Lose You to Love Me has just been ingrained uh, to everybody at this point, but uh, People You Know is really okay. sticking out to me. I think it kind of has some of the vibe from her last album, and okay. it's, it's catchy. I think it could be a pop hit. I think mine is Ring. It seems like she really is like taking back her control in the song. Plus, I have to, you know, she said my name in it. She did say Jordan <laughs> in the song, so I feel really cool. Automatic favorite song. Exactly. Well, Jason asked her about his favorite track, Vulnerable, and Selena said that song is also one of her favorites as well. It is saying after completely being depleted from life or or whatever, I've I've I turned bitter for a while. I was extremely bitter. I was very dry. I didn't um, have a lot of um, I, I I don't know. I just I was disconnected to my feelings for so long, and I realized it is because I one of my strengths that I thought was a weakness was being vulnerable. And so when we worked on the song, that's exactly where it started. It started with, okay, well, if I can give you myself, if I can give you all of it, are you able to take that? And are you able to take care of that? And if you're not, then I'm still going to be who I am. I'm just not going to really have you in my life, but I am going to continue to be who I am. And to bring up Lose You to Love Me again, they also talked about the first single off of Rare. Selena said the song now means something different to her than it did initially. When I wrote the song Lose You to Love Me, I was I was kind of a mess. It was really difficult and it was um, very hard for me. And by the time we shot the music video at the end of the year, it had a completely different meaning and it was so... Um, freeing. It was so like actually fun for me because uh, it just it. I think because I let it go, it actually meant that I let it go within myself as well. 
and I couldn't have asked for a better a better way to close a chapter in my life. She's definitely on to a new chapter, and and it, it looks like a number one debut could be part of the story, right, Gary? Yeah, uh, according to industry forecasters, Rare is aiming for a potential start at number one on next week's Billboard 200. Those in the know are suggesting that the album, released January 10th on Interscope Records, could launch with between 110, 130,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending January 16th, its first tracking week. Watch out, Roddy Rich. Yeah, uh, at the same time, he's the current champ, Roddy Rich, with Please Excuse Me for Being Antisocial. That has a chance of holding on to number one as well with a similar uh, projection 110,000 units, maybe more, thanks in large part to the box. Huge single from it, which just hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. So we're tracking that race, and we'll have much more on that coming up in this week's chart news. Name? Bond. James Bond. Duh. Literally, anything is possible. You always think it can't happen to you, and then it does. does. Moving on to Billie Eilish, who is always up to something. After teasing fans by posting a series of pictures of James Bond actresses on her Instagram story, on Tuesday, it was officially announced the 18-year-old bad guy singer is performing the next James Bond theme song. So the 007 IG account confirmed the news with a post that reads, the No Time to Die title song will be performed by Billie Eilish. Billie has written the song with her brother Phineas and is the youngest artist in history to write and record a James Bond theme song. We're joined by one of Billboard's senior editors, Lindsay Havens, who's interviewed Billie quite a few times. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. I love to talk about Billie. What are your thoughts on this next project she's taking on? I think it's incredible. I mean, she's breaking record after record all because of her age, really. Like, she's the youngest for this and the youngest for that. And I think what's so special about this specific project is that, you know, Billie's really, she's not shy about not knowing certain pop culture icons. She thought the Spice Girls were a made-up band. Van Halen was trending <laughs> for a long time because she admittedly didn't know who they were. And I think that's fine. She's 18. But so when she does sign on to a project like a James Bond theme song, it's really special for her because that's what stuck you know that's something that her and her brother grew up with and that is really important to her so it's fun for us to see that it's so interesting because she will be joining a storied club that includes the likes of Shirley Bassey, Paul McCartney, Carly Simon, Duran Duran, Madonna, Adele, and Sam Smith. The list goes on and on. And she doesn't know the Spice Girls and Van Halen. <laughs> let's hope she knows them, right? <laughs> of course. Yeah, these songs are, are hits, but you just uh, mentioned these artists. Live and Let Die, Paul McCartney and Wings, Carly Simon, Nobody Does It Better, uh, Duran Duran, View to a Kill, the only number one. But that's a six top tens in the whole 100s history. So when you sign on to do a Bond song, you're kind signing on to pretty much have a hit song. Wow. So number one and six top tens. Also on Monday, Oscar-winning composer Hans Zimmer confirmed he'll be composing the score for Daniel Craig's final go-around as Agent 007 in No Time to Die. And if you didn't already know, the film is set to be released in North America on April 10th, and it features Oscar winner Rami Malek as the reported bad guy. I love Rami. I did not know he was going to be the bad guy. Well, bad guy, Billie Eilish, this is If only she saved it for this. Yes, right? (laughs) I'm the bad guy. Duh. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for dropping by. Anytime. For all the details on Billy's involvement, head on over to Billboard.com. Fresh off their Golden Globes win for Best Original Song for I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man, 
On Monday, Elton John and Bernie Toppin were nominated for an Academy Award in the same category. It's Elton John's fourth Oscar nod and Bernie's first. Also included in the Best Original Song Oscar race are Randy Newman's I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story 4, I'm Standing With You from Breakthrough, Into the Unknown from Frozen 2, and Stand Up from Harriet. On the phone, we have Billboard Executive Editor, West Coast and Nashville, Melinda Newman. Melinda, welcome. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So if you look at these songs chart-wise, none of them were absolutely huge monster chart hits. Elton and Tarrant Edgerton's I'm Gonna Love Me Again was an AC hit, uh, but you can't really look at the charts, Melinda, and say that one's going to win because that one was such a huge hit. How do you, how do you look at this uh, field of contestants and try to pick a winner? When I look at this field, what I see are they went with tried and true. It's Elton's fourth nomination. It's Diane Warren's 11th nomination. Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez, who wrote the song from Frozen, they've won in this category twice. And then the the wild card in this is Stand Up, the song from Harriet, written by Joshua Brian Campbell and, and Cynthia Revo. There, it's their first nominations. But otherwise, it's a very solid slate, and in many ways, it's a very safe slate. Absolutely. Well, Melinda, a lot of people are talking about Beyonce's Spirit from The Lion King, the track which was originally shortlisted for the category and earned both a Golden Globe nomination and a Grammy nod for Best Song Written for Visual Media, apparently didn't make the cut. What are your thoughts? Was this a snub? It's a weird thing. I was, People were really considering it a snub. And then you think, is it a snub if the other five nominees are very strong and there just isn't room for more than five nominees? If you look at some of the other songs that got passed over, they were equally strong. I don't think anyone would have been surprised to see Beyonce in there, and she would have been a welcome inclusion, but I don't think it's a snub. I think there just isn't room for all the songs that you would like to be in there. Well, tell that to the Beehive. (laughs) They are swarming, aren't they? (laughs) But it doesn't take a lot to make them swarm. And you know what? It's a lovely song, and it's a beautiful song. And so I certainly understand why they're upset. All right, so Melinda, what is your pick uh, for these five songs? Which one do you think is going to win? The momentum to me, especially coming off the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice Awards, really seems to be with Elton John and Bernie Taupin. I think not only have they won twice, but their enthusiasm when they won the Golden Globe and the fact that incredulously, it was the first time they had ever won an award together. They don't have Grammys. They, it's, they don't have any other awards together. I think people are really now kind of rooting for them. It's always a wild card. You never know. But I think Elton and Bernie are going to win. Right on. Gotta love Elton and Bernie. Well, thank you so much, Melinda, for talking to us. Very happy to. Happy Oscar season. Happy Oscar season. Also talking records, if I'm Gonna Love Me Again wins the Oscar, Elton John would set a new record for the longest span original song winners. It's 26 years, Jordan. Yep, back in 94, the icon took home the award for Can You Feel the Love Tonight from the original The Lion King. For more on this year's nominees, plus to see what the internet is saying about Beyonce's snub, head to billboard.com. On Wednesday, the Recording Academy announced additional performers for this year's award show, adding Camila Cabello, Tyler the Creator, the Jonas Brothers, and more. It is true, I'm a sucker for you. Yeah. 
Also set to take the stage during the award show are Her, who's up for record, album, and song of the year, Best New Artist nominee Rosalia, Bonnie Raitt, who will pay tribute to this year's Lifetime Achievement Award honoree John Prine, R&B legend Charlie Wilson, and because the Grammys love live collaborations, Red DMC and Aerosmith will be together for a special performance of what will likely be their collab, Walk This Way. This latest group of stars joins previously announced Ariana Grande, Billie Eilish, Demi Lovato, Lizzo, Blake Shelton, and Gwen Stefani. I'm telling you, it's going to be lit lit. You can catch them all at the 62nd Annual Grammy Awards set to air January 26th on CBS. And don't forget to tune into Billboard's pre-show live on Twitter at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time that night. In the meantime, you can check out the full list of nominees at Billboard.com. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 2020 has been unveiled, and it consists of six artists and two behind-the-scenes players. The artists are Depeche Mode, the Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, Nine Inch Nails, Notorious B.I.G., and T-Rex. Also making it in are John Landau, longtime manager of many artists, including Bruce Springsteen, and Irving Azoff, also a longtime manager of the Eagles, among others, and among other high-profile industry positions, he said. We have Billboard's deputy editor, Joe Lynch, here to tell us all about it. Joe, welcome. Thank you. So, first off, what does it take to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, both from a technical qualification standpoint, but also how do people get in? In order to be eligible for a nomination, your debut release had to come out at least 25 years ago. Once you make the nominations list, a voting body, which consists of about a thousand members, votes on who actually gets inducted into the hall. So this year, there's a lot of first-time nominees of the six acts entering. Only Depeche Mode and Nine Inch Nails were previously nominated. So why do you think this year it's suddenly, wow, all these first-time nominees are making it in on their first try? I think, you know, rock and roll as a genre is no longer really the prominent genre in mainstream music. And I think the rock hall is starting to realize that and starting to kind of expand their boundaries. So, you know, this year we're seeing Whitney Houston, who's, you know, soul, dance, pop inducted. Notorious B.I.G., obviously an East Coast hip hop cornerstone. And then Depeche Mode and Nine Inch Nails are certainly rock, but they're definitely dance oriented acts. They use synthesizers um, and beats that a lot of acts in the rock hall previously didn't really use. So I really think they're trying to move past kind of the 60s, 70s classic rock formula uh, and into a little more forward-thinking format. Surprisingly, it seems like there's a lot of deceased artists getting inducted as well, which kind of makes the night a little more bittersweet. Yeah, uh, Mark Bolin, the lead singer of T-Rex, passed away uh, many decades ago. Obviously, Whitney Houston and then Tori's B.I.G. have gone Uh, You know, I think in the case of Whitney and Biggie, those are two artists who aren't really rock artists, but I think the fact that they kind of lived fast and died young sort of brings them into the romantic rock mythology. Mm -hmm. So in a way, I feel like, you know, it's potentially their early deaths kind of contributed to the sense that they really do belong in the rock hall. And to mention one act that didn't get in, although they won the fan vote, Dave Matthews Band. How does that work, Joe, that they won the fan vote? Does that play into a vote at all? And are you surprised they didn't make it in ultimately? I'm a little surprised. Usually the person who wins the fan vote does get in. The way it works is that primarily online fans vote for who they want to see in the Rock Hall, and those are tallied amongst the votes with the other Rock Hall members. Uh, Usually in the past, people who get the fan vote, like Bon Jovi, do get in. This is kind of the first time it hasn't happened, which a lot of fans are miffed about. At the same time, you know, Dave Matthews' band started in the 90s. The majority of 90s bands, when they get nominated the first time, do not get in the first time. So, you know, the fans are angry now, but chances are three years down the road, they're going to be celebrating the induction. 
Wow, didn't know that. All right, thanks so much, Joe. Happy to be here. Well, the class of 2020 will become official official on May 2nd at the 35th Annual Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony presented by Klipsch Audio, which for the first time ever will be broadcast live on HBO. This year's ceremony takes place at the Public Auditorium in Cleveland. Tickets go on sale February 27th, and performers will be announced at a later date. In 2019, we saw the Jonas Brothers return with an epic comeback, and now we're hungry for some other upcoming reunions. Known for their mid-2000s pop hits like Buttons, Don'tcha, and When I Grow Up, in April, the Pussycat Dolls will kick off their unfinished business tour in the United Kingdom. And during a recent UK X Factor performance, the group also teased new music. Yeah, I mean, it's been you know, a decade and a half since they've been so big on the charts, but maybe you, you don't realize at this point, they had four top tens back then. They were huge, and I think it was just not just the music. It was their personality, their look, right. their, everything the about The dancing, them. Yeah. all of it. Before disbanding in 2013, My Chemical Romance gave us emo genre classics like 2006's The Black Parade. After launching with a one-off Los Angeles show in December, MCR has announced a handful of overseas dates slated for early 2020. Yeah, what looks good for that is that when the reunion announcement happened back in October, their catalog surged and sales and streams, so I think that's a really good sign that, yeah, people are ready for them to come back. Next, Rage Against the Machine mixed rap, rock, and politically charged lyrics to become one of the defining bands of the 90s. And its members have since soldiered on in groups like Audio Slave and Prophets of Rage. In March, a trio of tune-up dates will lead into the group's return to Coachella, where it's headlining for the first time since 2007. Yeah, we're going back a little bit further chart-wise for Rage on the charts, but they had two number one albums back in the 90s. Obviously, as you just said, Jordan, they branched off into so many other different acts, so uh, their profile has been huge even if uh, the band hasn't been that much of a chart force in uh, the last couple decades. Bachata Quartet Aventura became one of the most commercially successful Latin groups of all time before announcing a hiatus back in 2011, with leading man Romeo Santos later making it big solo. So beginning February 6th in L.A., they're back with a nine-date U.S. arena tour, their first series of shows since an outing in 2016. Yeah, Romeo's just been absolutely huge uh, since they broke up. Every album he's put out, it's gone to number one on our Top Latin Albums chart. So uh, that just shows that you put them all back together multiply how much appeal there is. Right. And finally, the Black Crows made their debut with their 1990 album Shake Your Money Maker, which helped brothers Chris and Rich Robinson become best-selling Southern rockers. Following a pair of shows in New York and L.A. back in November, a world tour celebrating the 30th anniversary of the album kicks off in June. You say 30 years, but then you think songs like She Talks to Angels, Hard to Handle, they, they've endured so well. They've never gone away. You still hear them on rock radio. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. Yeah, definitely some timeless, timeless classics. For more on these anticipated reunions and all the tour dates, head to billboard.com. 
All right, looking at this week's top chart news, as we teased before, Roddy Rich earns his first Billboard Hot 100 number one as the box rises from number three thanks to 68.2 million U.S. streams, according to Nielsen Music MRC data, and that's a 60% surge in the tracking week. Plus, the song's parent album, Please Excuse Me for Being Antisocial, returns to number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart. So it really is Roddy's world right now. Gary, it really is. I cannot get on social media without hearing the box, which I'm not mad at. The song is great. And the song is on Atlantic Records. And I chatted this week with the label's John McMahon. He's the senior VP of pop and rhythmic promotion. We talked about the song's streaming gains, its forthcoming video, and how it's just getting started at radio now as well. And all of that could lead to maybe a long run at number one on the Hot 100 going forward. Watch out, Justin Bieber. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Gary. Good to be here. All right. So to a lot of maybe pop fans, mainstream fans, this might feel like this number one, The Box by Roddy Rich is it's somewhat of an overnight success. But you know, clearly, this, his success has been building for a long time now. Yeah. He, he was signed to Atlantic by Dallas Martin. And uh, in 2017, he had seen him on, you know, doing a, a video that he had dropped and was like, wow, this guy's really talented. Bought him in, signed him, put out a mixtape called Feed the Streets in 2017, followed it up with Feed the Streets 2 in 2018, and then went in the studio to create like what he wanted, which was a classic hip hop album. It took, you know, three years of making music, writing music, and creating a body of work that, you know, has really started to make a lot of noise. What do you think it is about this song that's just, uh, people love it so much? The intro, the intro itself, like, it that's his voice. Some people think it's a sample. Yeah. It's, the beat is just, unique it's special and it's not as if there's this repetitive chorus hook that you know you hear in so many hip-hop hits but it just has a unique sound what's amazing too is this is without an official video yet you can right. tell me uh, whether uh, one is, is coming also radio is just starting to kick in as well so you've got these huge streaming numbers that's without the official video without radio having a big presence yet yeah it's it's pretty remarkable you know we just really started going hard in the last couple of weeks at, at Urban and Rhythm Radio, and it's number one most increased, and it's having these huge gains. Between that and when the video does drop, he shot it last week, so we imagine it'll be dropping, you know, any moment. Can't even contemplate what that audience is going to look like when that drops. You guys keep raising the bar for the label. you got to leave something to, to <laughs> still get to next. Yeah, well, we're really proud of that, you know? We're, we're proud of all our, our incredible artists that we're really blessed and privileged to have on Atlantic. Well, congratulations on all the latest success with Roddy Rich, the box number one on the Hot 100. Please excuse me for being antisocial, number one on the Billboard 200. Congratulations, John. Thank you so much, Gary. All right. So maybe the biggest news in that chat was the video was on the way. So the song's been this successful already. That's ahead of the video. Do we have a date yet for the video drop? Not yet officially. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you got that yummy, yum, the yummy, yum, the yummy, yummy. At number two on the latest Top 100, Justin Bieber's Yummy debuts, becoming his 17th Top 10. It also becomes his first number one on the Hot R&B Songs chart. And that's as his collab with Dan and Shay, 10,000 Hours, leads the Hot Country Songs chart. So number one Hot R&B, number one Hot Country. Bieber's the first artist ever to top both of those two charts. It's interesting that we're talking about Justin and Roddy because they have this little fun rivalry. I wouldn't really call it a rivalry, but they are shouting each other out on Twitter, each other's songs. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's amazing to see these two artists so vastly different, kind of rooting for each other. Yeah. It's the most passive aggressive rivalry ever. They're, they're <laughs> right. saying, go listen to each other's song. <laughs> what if I never get over you?
We talked about Bieber being number one at country. Also in country, Lady Antebellum hits number one this week on the country airplay chart with What If I Never Get Over You, and that becomes the trio's 10th leader and first in five years. The acts Hillary Scott recently described to Billboard's country chart manager Jim Asker in Nashville what the song feels like to her. A little bit of like returning home back to the songs and the sound that we really started doing as a band, Mm -hmm. even though it's a brand new song and with fresh production and working with a new producer, Dan Huff, we love songs that feel really relatable, that we can bring a male and female perspective to perspectives of a love story gone wrong in this case to, to a song. And so we feel like that's what we bring as a band. And as we mentioned before, looking ahead to next week's Billboard 200, it looks like we've got that close race coming up as of now between Roddy Rich and Selena Gomez with her new album, Rare. To find out the winner and the rest of the Billboard 200's top 10, check out Billboard.com this Sunday. And come back Tuesday for the reveal of who's number one and more on the Hum 100. Well, that's all we've got for you this week. I'm Jordan Rowling. I'm Gary Trust. See ya. See ya.